Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Well, it's good to have you guys with us today. Hey, real quick, before I jump into today's message, um, sometimes you're going to see a blue ice cream truck out here after church on Sunday. I wanted to tell you something like how God kind of opens doors to help people. My son and I were walking through the parking lot one day, and the guy was kind of just parked out there, and my son saw the ice cream truck, so of course I had to buy him some ice cream, right? And I go up, and um, the gentleman in there uh, couldn't speak any English. And so he used Google Translate to talk with me back and forth, right? And come to find out, he's brand new to not only our area, but this country. And he's trying to figure out, how do I make a living for my family, and what do I do? He wanted to figure out how he could take ESL classes, and with his truck, this is only mode of transportation, you can't park it at a government building. So I was trying to find an ESL class. I mean, I spent probably an hour with him. And he asked, hey, could I park out here after church on Sundays? And I said, man, absolutely. I'm just that guy that, like, I don't look at all the red tape. All the staff do that for me. I'm thinking, how can I help Moises out? That's his name. And so we're not paying for the ice cream. We, don't, we can't do that. But I want you to know that his story, of, and when you see him out there, if you do happen to speak Spanish, use it as an opportunity to minister to him, to be able to share the gospel with him, um, and to know that the church is for people. They're not against people. And so I did want to share that with you before we jump to today's message. We always look for opportunities to help those. And I was able to teach my son about people who are less fortunate. And how we need to go out of our way to help less fortunate people and to always be engaged and do whatever we can for people. And so um, if you can buy an ice cream from him for, your, for yourself or for your child, do that. And if you speak Spanish, man, make a connection with him. And we pray that maybe he'd come to know Christ through this. Amen? All right. Well, let's jump in today's message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts 27, 18. Acts 27, 18. Now, we have been in a series in the book of Acts for many, many weeks now. And we'll be finishing it up coming next week. And it's been amazing going through this, learning about the unstoppable movement that you and I are a part of called Christianity that has spread across the world. Billions now worship together with us and follow Jesus. And we've been looking about how it all started. That's what the book of Acts is all about. Well, um, a few months ago, uh, when I actually wrote this message, I always write ahead and pray and, and do that. My son had this situation where he plays this little game on his iPad and um, it's, you know, it's called War Robots. We've been playing War Robots for a long time now. And he wanted to get this certain character. He said, Dad, what you do is you open this chest and it just, we, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm going to get it or not. It's a brand new robot. And he said, can we pray and see if God would, would open up and give, us, give me this robot? And I'm like, oh, man. His face going to be crashed. Ugh. I was like, yeah, buddy. So I said, hey, so let me ask that's the question. What if you don't get it, though? What if God decides not to give that to you? Because I want to build into his theology to understand that sometimes God's answer is no in our lives. And so he said, well, um, I guess I need to pray that I'll have a great attitude if God doesn't give it. And I'll be thankful for whatever God gives to me. And that's something that like really blessed my heart. Because here's what happened. This happened again this weekend. He did the same thing and he prayed the same exact thing and he didn't get what he wanted. And guess what? His attitude was that of, hey, man, God gives. God takes away. God ordains. And I think what happens, we look as a, at a, as a child, we say, that's so beautiful, oh, that's so sweet. When we become adults, we become one-dimensional in our faith. As we grow up, we believe the Lord is good because he gives. And not the Lord is good because he sometimes takes away or says no or, or he doesn't give us exactly what we want in life or things don't turn out like we expected. And so we feel disappointed and discouraged and defeated. And I want to submit to you. That believing that God only gives just these good, fluffy things is not New Testament Christianity. 
It's something that we've created in Western culture, and sadly enough, the church has created it, televangelists have created that if God, that if you really follow Jesus, then good things are going to happen. It's all going to turn out right. You'll get what you want. I mean, the, the marriage will be restored, the addiction will be broken, everything's going to work out. And can I tell you, sometimes it doesn't work out like we expected it, but it's our attitude towards it that determines how God can use us. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul was in that same situation. As we've been looking now and tracking with him now, it's been many, many years after he got saved. He spread the gospel across Asia Minor, and we have seen churches planted, the first churches ever that we've ever known, and the first non-Jews ever reached within the first century. And he had a friend named Luke who journeyed with him who was a doctor. And what Luke did was Luke recorded um, and recorded their journeys together. He didn't start following Paul, you know, to halfway through Paul's journeys. But what happened was Luke went and wrote the Gospel of Luke. He carefully researched as a doctor what happened with the life of Christ. And then he follows up writing a second book to his friend Theophilus saying, now let me tell you about the early church, the first 30 to 40 year history of what happened. And you know what, Theophilus? I was there with Paul. And as we know, Paul has done amazing things, but now he's going nearing the end of his life. His heart was to go to preach to kings and Gentiles in Acts 9.15. He was told by the Lord, and he was told by Ananias, you're going to do this. And so he's heading out now to Rome, where he believes he was called. He had just preached uh, last week. He, he preached to some government leaders, and now he is preaching again, going to even more higher government leaders, appealing to Caesar, saying, I want the gospel to go to the top government officials. And so Paul knew that was God's call for his life. So we know Paul's in the will of God, right? We know he's in the will of God. But I want you to see what happens when sometimes you're in the middle of the will of God. You have to understand this because if you don't, it's going to mess up your theology and you serving Jesus. And so look at Acts 27, 18. It says the next day, remember they're on a ship and they're headed out trying to get to, to different places to eventually get to Rome. It says as gale force winds continue to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and stars until um, at, all last, at last all hope was gone. I mean, think about that. Luke was on that ship. Many days, no sunlight. They're in a storm. They hadn't eaten. Things are going bad. It says no one had eaten for a long time. Then finally Paul called the crew together and said, Men, I love this, you should have listened to me in the first place and not gone to Crete. Because Paul told the whole crew, don't go there. And they didn't listen to him. He, and he pulled the whole parent thing, I told you so. He says this, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, I love this, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, and it will be just as he said. But we will be in, um, shipwrecked on an island, and that's very important. Because what we would think is, Paul would say, but you know what, everything's going to be great. We won't suffer at all because God told me. He says, we're going to be shipwrecked on an island. And about midnight on the 14th night of the storm, two weeks of a storm nonstop, 
We were being driven across the Sea of Adria, and the sailors sensed land was near. They dropped, and I love this here in verse 28. You know, why is he reading this? I'll tell you why. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. If you think the Bible is a book of fairy tales just written by men to control people, why would Luke record the details of somewhere he was at? That he knew they dropped at 120 feet. Why? Because he was recording history that he was a part of. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. Why is that even in there? If this is some religious book, and let me just throw it out there, I mean, not like the Book of Mormon, it would, that wouldn't be in there. Because someone trying to write a religious book wouldn't put details of how far they're dropping stuff, and it actually wasn't right. To us, we're like, this is de- these are details that don't matter to me. They matter greatly to you because it does prove Luke was a researcher and a doctor who wrote this firsthand experience. He said, at this rate, they were afraid they would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Now, before I get to the next passage, here's what happens. The ship does shipwreck. And they're on little pieces hanging on all night. Then finally, daylight comes and they wash ashore to the island of Malta. Finally, all night in a sea. And it says this in Acts 28, 1 through 6. Once we were safe on shore... We learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. I love this in verse 3. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire. He's just trying to help, right? Let me contribute, get a fire going. It says, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. I want you to pay attention to what happens in verse 4. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. This, I'm going to come back to this in a little bit. You've got to pay attention to this. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up and suddenly dropped dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and they decided he was a god. What you have to understand here is that Paul was in the middle of the will of God, headed to Rome where God had called him to go. And he faced a shipwreck. He got delayed from where he was supposed to go. He lost time. The journey was taken off course. And then he got bit by a snake just trying to help people. That's a bad day, y'all. I know you've had a bad, some of y'all had a bad day this week, but you weren't, you didn't spend a night in the ocean thinking you were going to die or get bit by a snake, did you, at the same time? And I think so many times we think, we look at like the life of Paul, that he was just in this amazing like bubble everywhere he went doing miracles and God was moving but there was times in the middle of the will of God he faced suffering and it didn't make sense and I want to tell you in your life that you're going to face shipwrecks and you're going to face snake bites welcome to Thrive Church I hope you're encouraged (laughs) but you are going to face them and here's the thing you're going to face them right in the middle of the will of God the disciples were on a boat with Jesus right in the middle of the will of God and a storm came up out of nowhere and that's going to happen for you and me. And I want you to write this down in your notes. So this is very important for today's message. I want to get across to you. Is that shipwrecks and snake bites are sometimes sanctioned by God. Sometimes in your life, shipwrecks and snake bites will be sanctioned by God. That means the Lord in his goodness, in his providence, in his sovereignty, he's going to allow a shipwreck in your life. 
You're on the way to do what God's called you to do. You're leaned into Jesus. You're doing all that you can. And there's something that you could not control that's going to hit your life. And you're going to wonder, God, what's happening to me? There's many times you're just doing good deeds. Paul's trying to put wood on the fire. And what happened? He got bit by a snake. Didn't do anything wrong. And I think with us in our Americanized, Westernized culture, we have done Christianity a disservice and done ourselves a disservice because we don't understand that there's going to be shipwrecks and there's going to be snake bites, and it's how we respond to it. Sometimes God will even just send those. You're thinking, what? My good heavenly Father, he would actually not just allow, but maybe he would send a storm in my life? It's possible. And can I tell you, it's actually biblical. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, now they, they sinned greatly against God, and God ended up using it for their good. He sent them into Babylonian exile in the Old Testament. The children of Israel were living large, they were doing great, but they were worshiping false gods. They were doing detestable practices unto the Lord, breaking all of his commandments and covenant. And God sent this guy named Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was what they called the weeping prophet. And he, the whole time, was like, destruction's coming welcome to church today destruction's coming every week get the same message get ready and in jeremiah 25 9 he tells them something very unique and special that i want you to to hear about god sending this is the lord speaking through jeremiah to the children of israel he says i will gather together all of the armies of the north under king nebuchadnezzar of babylon whom i have appointed as my deputy king nebuchadnezzar was wicked y'all he didn't serve the Lord. He was pagan. And God's like, I'm going to gather all of his armies, and he, I've appointed him as my deputy. I will bring them all against this land. What land? Jerusalem, Israel, the Old Testament, and its people, and against the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy you and make you an object of horror and contempt and ruin forever. Now, we love Jeremiah 29, 11, don't we? I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you peace and a hope. And, and we stitch that on, on pillows and we put that on coffee mugs. Why don't you put Jeremiah 25, verse 9 on a coffee mug? I will completely destroy you, says the Lord. <laughs> now, now, you have to understand something here, though, and I'm teasing this out. It's that they had gone so far from God, this was the only way to bring them back to center once again, back to to faith once again that was the most important thing the lord allowed and sent babylon to them and here's why god never sends a shipwreck or a snake bite in our life to destroy us or hurt us it's always to do something inside of us that could not be done without that in our life that we would never some of us would have never come to faith in christ if it wasn't for a shipwreck some of us you know, would have never been um, seen the depth of our faith if it wasn't for snake bites in our life. And I want you to understand that sometimes God will do that. See, it says in Psalms, and the psalmist writes this, and I love it. Even Paul quotes it. The psalmist says, quoting God, I will make your enemies your footstool. I don't know about y'all, but I'm short. I know I look tall up here on stage, but if you haven't seen me off stage, I'm short. So growing up, I had footstools to reach the top cabinets when I was a little kid. You know what a footstool allows you to do? A footstool allows you to reach something you couldn't reach without it. And that's why God says, I will make your enemies your footstool. And even him sending the Babylonians was making their enemies their footstool that they could become a nation they had never been before. That when they came back to Jerusalem, he brought them back in, they would be stronger than ever before. And I want you to understand that. 
Because what shipwrecks do, shipwrecks show us God's faithfulness in a world of storms. That's what shipwrecks do. When you go through a shipwreck, it's usually something you can't control. It's usually something you didn't do, but you could not change it. You had no control over it. And you know what shipwrecks show us? God's faithfulness in a world of storms. That's what it showed Paul. The ship will be destroyed, but you will be saved. And sometimes in our life, those things in our lives will be destroyed, but we shall be saved from it. God will rescue us from it. Here's the problem with that. And here's what we do, though. We made the same mistake that the guys on the ship made and the people on the island of Malta made. We think because somebody faces a storm, they've done something wrong or they're not doing the will of God. And maybe you've even thought that. Well, maybe if I was doing what God wanted me to do, I wouldn't face a storm in life. And maybe you're facing a storm because you're doing what God called you to do. Elijah prayed for a drought and the brook dried up and he had to move. He had nothing else to eat or drink. There are consequences of obedience sometimes. And when you're obedient to God, sometimes there's consequences. And God shows us his faithfulness when shipwrecks happen. That he will protect you. He will guide you. He will get you safely to shore. And snake bites show us this. Snake bites show us God's protection in a world of sinful people. They show us God's protection in a world of sinful people. Now, with the realize this, God will allow snakes into your garden. He did it for Adam and Eve, remember? It, one of the main questions is, why would God allow Adam and Eve to make the choice? Why would he allow a snake in there? Because he was shaping their moral character to make a decision. Because if they didn't allow it, they'd never have free will. God will allow sometimes that serpent to come into your garden. Because he wants to shape your moral character in your life. Realize that Paul was allowed to be bitten by a snake. Now, here's our problem once again, though. Outside looking in, we're saying, well, if they were doing the will of God, they wouldn't have got, you know, got bitten by a poisonous snake, quote, unquote. There are people in your life that are snakes. You know that? Paul had this bundle of sticks that looked so good for the fire. And the moment it got thrown in the fire, a snake jumped out and bit him. And there'll be people in your life that are toxic. And they're going to show up at the most inopportune times and they're going to bite you and many times we think well if they were really doing what god wanted them to do they wouldn't be talked about they wouldn't be gossiped about they they wouldn't be attacked we have this sometimes you realize that when you're doing what god wants you to do it's going to cause controversy it's going to cause people to come after you in your life and you got to be willing to understand that, that it doesn't mean you're not in the will of god it means that god is shaping you and he will allow snakes into your life but can i promise you God will protect you from people trying to harm you. And you have to understand that when they're coming against you in your life, when sinful people do that. And here's why don't you understand this. This is why it matters so much. If we don't understand in our lives that sometimes that these can be sent by God, then we won't be able to be sent by Christ and sent for Christ. I think so many times we're wondering and we're, we are stuck. God, why would you allow this storm? And we're trying to be Sherlock Holmes, piecing every, trying to understand God. Can I tell you, you're never going to understand God. You can understand his character and his nature and those things from Scripture. But if you're trying to understand why this happened to you, you will be stuck in your past forever. You cannot pause and ask the question, 
I'll give you a day. You cannot ask, why did this happen to me? Because you make yourself the victim of the story. You have to understand that God will send these things in your life for your transformation and your proclamation. That what he does, he allows uh, shipwrecks and snake bites for you, number one, to be transformed. It's not about why this happened. It's about what God is doing in your heart. And the second thing, it's not about why did this happen to me. The things that have happened uniquely to you, listen to me, will be how you uniquely minister to others. Say it one more time. The things that uniquely happen to you will be how God uses you to uniquely minister to others. It's for your transformation and your proclamation. And Paul is on the island of Malta. He's sitting there, and a snake bites him, and they watch how he responds to it. They watch how God's faithfulness is there in his life, and they say, man, there's something really spiritual about you, man. And they decided he was a god, and he told them that he wasn't, he shared the gospel with them, right? But in your life, can I tell you, I know that some of you have been bitten by snakes. I know that some of you have had shipwrecks in your life. Stop trying to be Sherlock Holmes and figure it all out and put the pieces together. I don't know why that happened to you. I don't know why that was allowed by our Heavenly Father. I don't know why it happened to me. I don't know why it was allowed. But I do know this, that if you don't understand that God will send these things, you cannot be sent for Christ. Meaning that Jesus wants to send you into a world that needs to see his faithfulness and see his protection and see his goodness and they need to hear your story of your dark time. But if you're caught in a pity party and you're blaming this person and blaming that and you're blaming your addiction and you're blaming yours, and you're, you'll never get to the place of transformation where you can then share your story with someone else and then they gain encouragement and they move forward. So what do you do when snakes bite you and, and shipwrecks happen? As the prophet Taylor Swift said, you've got to shake it off. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. So for the record, this is on broadcast. This will be recorded forever. I am not a Taylor Swift fan. But she did say you've got to shake it off. And that's what Paul did. He said he shook off the snake. He was able to proclaim the gospel. And I want you to realize that in your life. When those things hit you, do not be paralyzed. It's called the paralysis of the analysis. Where you were paused, par paralyzed, trying to analyze everything in your life. I don't know why. I'm not going to have an answer for you. Nobody may ever have an answer for you. But I can tell you this. God will use it if you will submit to him. Like my son said, hey, he may give it to me, he may not. But it's how I'll respond to what happens. And that's what we need to do, because I know that deep down inside, you want to be used by God. And being used by God is not standing on a stage preaching. That's the, the lowest way I believe you can be used by God. And I'm a preacher. The greatest way is, is when you connect with someone, and they tell you the dark story they're going through, and you can say, man, I faced a shipwreck too. I was, I was literally hanging on by a thread, hanging on to a plank in the water. And can I tell you, I know right now it's dark. I know you're in the same place that I was at, but I'm, I promise you God will get you safely to shore if you just don't let go. I can promise you that when snakes bite you and it's scary and you're thinking, man, it's over. Why is this happening to me? That God's protection and his favor will be on your life and you begin to minister to someone else and you give them hope. But in order to get there, guys, there's three choices you have to make and this is what I've had to do, guys, every juncture of my life through all the loss 
that I've had through all the betrayal, all the heartache, all the disappointment, there are three choices. And the first choice that you've got to make is this. Choose rest over worry. Choose rest. Some of you are wound so tight because you want to control everything. You wear your worry as a badge of honor. You can't worship and worry at the same time. You can't release control to God and hold on to it at the same time. You're so worried. You control everything and everybody around you, and you're just always just oversharing and doing this. Just learn to rest in the presence of God. Learn to rest in his faithfulness. Learn to rest in his protection and just... All will be well, and all shall be well, and all things will be well. And you learn to rest in that. And that is something, these choices are choices you have to practice. You feel yourself getting anxious, and you want to uh, uh, just go overshare everybody and vomit on people, and, uh, and you're so full of anxiety. Just learn to rest in the presence of your Heavenly Father. And say, Lord, I refuse to worry my prayers to you. I choose to rest in you. Because you will work all things together. The second choice you and I have to make is this. It's trust over clarity. Trust over clarity. The choice we've got to make is this. Stop asking God for clarity. God, I just want to understand. God says there's just some things for me that you will never be able to understand. Even in heaven, I have to explain it to you. And you maybe still not, may not understand. Because some things are for me to only know, says God. Start living by trust instead of clarity. And can I tell you something, man? Here's what I realized about trust. Trust is hard. If somebody, if somebody tongue-in-cheek said, just God, trust God. Can you just, when you, if you say that to people and you just throw that tongue-in-cheek out there, can you just give a caveat and say, you just God, trust God. And man, trusting God is difficult. Anybody agree with me? It's hard. It's hard to trust God when you're like Paul hanging on to a piece of a boat and it's been dark and you haven't eaten in days and you haven't seen sunlight and you're just hoping you land at shore and you don't know where it's at. But you've got to choose trust. One thing that I, I helped my son with, we went through a very difficult season last year and then into this year navigating things. And I said, son, here's what you've got to do. I said, and we, we made this our statement, I can trust God no matter what. I said, buddy, that's what we're going to do together. And that's what he says. Anytime he has to do something that's kind of dangerous for him, he's scared, he said, I can trust God no matter what. Choose trust. You know, I've shared this story before, but it's very impactful for me. A man once approached Mother Teresa. He said, Mother Teresa, will you pray for me that I have clarity like you do? Because you help these lepers, and you know exactly what your purpose is, and you're so leaned in, and I want to do what you're doing in my, my life. I want to know what God wants me to know. Will you please pray for me? He gets one shot to talk to Mother Teresa. She's a very busy lady. She says, I cannot pray for you. Please go away. He says, why? Why would you not pray for me? She says, I've never had clarity one day of my life. Only trust. And that's what I live by. Trust is a choice. And you may never have clarity, but you can have trust. And then finally, here's what you have to have is testimony over escape. Testimony over escape. 
If we would have written the story, an angel of the Lord would have shown up to Paul, the ship would have been saved, he'd have got safely to shore, he'd have shown up, shared the gospel with the island, with, with the Maltans there on, on that island, and everything would have been perfect. But that's not how it works when you're serving God. God uses everything you go through for a testimony. So when you do talk to that person, you are real to them. And that's what the gospel is. Our God is not some God who's sitting in heaven saying, I've got it all together. I'll tell you what to do. No, he came in the form of Jesus Christ, a man who suffered, who was betrayed, who was beaten, who was wrongly accused to die and rise again. And we've got to stop praying for God to get us out of the situation and for God to get through us all he can in that situation so others may see Christ incarnate in us. Amen? And what I want to do is pray for you, because some of you are either, have either been, you know the story, the old saying, you've either been through the shipwreck, you're going through it, or you're going to go into it. Sorry to tell you that. And you need prayer to trust God, to rest, and know he's shaping your testimony. Let's pray. Father, today I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help every one of us in here to trust you, to rest in you, and to choose our testimony over escape. So I pray that today, Lord. Help us to understand we go through shipwrecks and not ask why, but say, God, why are you trying to shape something in me? What are you trying to shape in me? What are you trying to pull out of me for others to see? And God, may we trust you on a level we've never trusted you before. I pray for everyone right now going through a trial and a shipwreck, Lord. It doesn't make sense. They've been thrown off course. They faced a lot of darkness, just like Paul did. I pray you would speak to them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would use what we think is bad for your goodness, Lord, in Jesus' name. And as we're praying today, church, in this mode of prayer, maybe you haven't given your life to Christ ever. Maybe you walked away from your faith many years ago, but you said, today is my day. I just want to give my life to Jesus. I want to serve him. I want to be in his will. I want to trust him with salvation. I don't know who you are or where you're at in your faith today, but today I believe is your day to make that decision for Christ. It's simple. You pray this prayer after me. You make this confession of faith, whether you're online on your couch or sitting here with us today. You make this, this confession of faith. You say, God, I confess Jesus as my Lord. For I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again the third day. And I believe he's the son of God. Today, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my old life. I receive new life and forgiveness of sins. Now help me live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate everybody who made that decision.